steadily. Now, at 56, he was a subdivisional magistrate, and he would probably be promoted still further and made an acting deputy commissioner with Englishmen as his equals and even his subordinates. As a magistrate, his methods were simple. Even for the vastest bribe, he would never sell the decision of a case, because he knew that a magistrate who gives wrong judgments is caught sooner or later. His practice, a much safer one, was to take bribes from both sides and then decide the case on strictly legal grounds. This won him a useful reputation for impartiality. Besides his revenue from litigants, Upojin levied a ceaseless toll, a sort of private taxation scheme from all the villages under his jurisdiction. If any village failed in its tribute, Upojin took punitive measures. Gangs of dacoits attacked the village, leading villagers were arrested on false charges and so forth, and it was never long before the amount was paid up. He also shared the proceeds of all the larger-sized robberies that took place in the district. Most of this, of course, was known to everyone except Upochin's official superiors. No British officer will ever believe anything against his own men. But the attempts to expose him invariably failed. His supporters, kept loyal by their share of the loot, were too numerous. When any accusation was brought against him, Upojin simply discredited it with strings of suborned witnesses, following this up by counter-accusations which left him in a stronger position than ever. He was practically invulnerable, because he was too fine a judge of men ever to choose a wrong instrument, and also because he was too absorbed in intrigue ever to fail through carelessness or ignorance. One could say with practical certainty that he would never be found out, that he would go from success to success, and would finally die full of honour, worth several lakhs of rupees. And even beyond the grave, his success would continue. According to Buddhist belief, those who have done evil in their lives will spend the next incarnation in the shape of a rat, a frog, or some other low animal. Upochin was a good Buddhist, and intended to provide against this danger. He would devote his closing years to good works, which would pile up enough merit to outweigh the rest of his life. Probably his good works would take the form of building pagodas. Four pagodas, five, six, seven, the priests would tell him how many, with carved stonework, gilt umbrellas, and little bells that tinkled in the wind, every tinkle a prayer. And he would return to the earth in male human shape, for a woman ranks at about the same level as a rat or a frog, or at worst as some dignified beast, such as an elephant. All these thoughts flowed through Upochin's mind swiftly, and for the most part in pictures. His brain, though cunning, was quite barbaric, and it never worked except for some definite end. Mere meditation was beyond him. He had now reached the point to which his thoughts had been tending. Putting his smallish, triangular hands on the arms of his chair, he turned himself a little way round and called, rather wheezily, Bartaik! Hey, Bartaik! Bartaik, Upojin's servant, appeared through the beaded curtain of the veranda. He was an undersized, pockmarked man with a timid and rather hungry expression. Upojin paid him no wages, for he was a convicted thief whom a word would send to prison. 
As Bartaik advanced, he shikoed, so low as to give the impression that he was stepping backwards. Most holy God, he said, is anyone waiting to see me, Bartaik? Bartaik enumerated the visitors upon his fingers. There is the headman of Titpinji village, your honor, who has bought presents, and two villagers who have an assault case that is to be tried by your honor, and they too have brought presents. Kobasain, the head clerk of the deputy commissioner's office, wishes to see you, and there is Ali Shah, the police constable, and a dacoit whose name I do not know. I think they have quarreled about some gold bangles they have stolen, and there is also a young village girl with a baby. What does she want? said Upochin. She says that the baby is yours, most holy one. Ah, and how much has the headman brought? Bartaik thought it was only ten rupees and the basket of mangoes.